This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise is the place to go for all of your brewing, winemaking, fermented food, and probably cider making needs. Uh, and on top of that, it doesn't suck. Yeah. You know what else sucks? Everything but Homebrew in Paradise. Every other homebrew store, to which there aren't even any on, in Hawaii. There's none. Yeah, and if you try to buy it online, you know, you can't talk it's gonna to anybody. It's going to suck. You can't ask anybody questions. They're going to send you the wrong thing. You're going to have to send it back. It's going to be a whole process. It's going to be a big hassle. It sucks. Homebrew in Paradise does not suck. Donald Trump sucks. The state of our world sucks. Sometimes our lives suck. If there's one beacon of truth in this world, one thing that doesn't suck, it's Homebrew in Paradise. Let us cling to it. For the knowledge that maybe one day other things won't suck too. Homebrew in Paradise, 740, Moava Street, Kalihikai. Tell them the Blue Hawaii Podcast sent you. Homebrew in Paradise. It doesn't suck. Blue Hawaii. Where do you think the trope about the philandering milkman came from? The philandering milkman? Presumably at around the time when Anglo-Saxon culture was developing its aphorisms and its like witty sayings. Clearly there was a milkman who was running around just laying the pipe yeah and then everybody's like oh yeah you hear about greg milkman <laughs> and then greg the milkman became immortalized i guess well it wouldn't have been greg it would have been like what's a what's an older hmm. marcus alfred oh alfred the milkman marcus i went latin marcus, that's way too old marcus, marcus aurelius yeah the first milkman the the milkus manicus let's do the drop let's do the drop blue boy I'm trying to tell the world I'm nothing to be trifled with. Staying hotter than some rifles. Yeah. Welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. And here's what we're going to do. All right. So first, we're going to tell you what we did this week. Then... We're going to do our News in 9 segment, and we're going to flip it. We're going to focus on local news because some crazy-ish has been happening this week. Lots of crazy-ish. Then we're going to take a mailbag question, uh, and we're going to update our Picky Leaks segment Picky with this week's hot gossip. It's, hot gossip. It's not what you think it is. We got 200-degree hot goss here. Near <laughs> boiling, not quite boiling. It's like McDonald's coffee temperature goss. Our, our special guest, Nadine Wolf, is going to talk to us uh, about... Life growing up in East Germany. East Berlin. East Berlin. Yeah. Before the wall came down. Before the wall came down. uh, Everything that's happened since, you know, what's going on in Europe right now, how it all ties back to America and Hawaii, uh, and basically just some of the craziness that is not just limited statewide or nationwide. Uh, It's going on everywhere. Yeah. So it's some interesting perspective. We're looking forward to chatting with her. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And then we will do some shout outs. And know we're going to do shout outs. As usual. Everybody's favorite. We're going to give some restaurant hot tips. That's right. That's right. That's right. Ryan, what'd you do this week? Well, haven't done it yet, but what I am going to do this week is play spike ball on the beach. Now, what is spike ball? Spike ball is a game with a trampoline, a small trampoline. You don't jump on it. The ball does. And a small ball about the size of your fist. And My fist or anybody's fist? Yeah, probably your fist. You have big hands. Okay. And... Uh, it big is beautiful a, hands just like our president very you know, the biggest hands it's it's a very fun game to play and here in hawaii for all our mainland listeners uh as you have to play on the grass we play on the beautiful sandy beaches of oahu that's right haters haters gonna hate come and get it what about you what'd you do this week well i uh personally did not experience this but i wanted to share with everybody a, a fun story uh those of you l- listened last week i uh, remember our good friend rafina magliba mayor of waimanalo uh his uh 
hometown made the news. Uh, Shout out Waimanalo. The Nalo. I will quote directly from Hawaii News now. The United States Army had an awkward moment Thursday when an airdropped package missed its mark by about five miles. That is not good. The package, which was deposited by a UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter, missed its intended drop zone on the Marine Corps training area in Bellows and landed on the campus of Waimanalo Elementary and Intermediate School. Luckily, the faulty drop did not cause any injuries or property damage. That would be so lit. However, yeah, so... I'd be thinking it's Operation Dumbo Drop. Hawaii, idyllic paradise, people think. Uh, Gifts fall from the sky. Gifts fall from the sky. And our interesting relationship with the military continues on. Yep. And uh, what else did I do this week? Uh, Oh, this week was uh, the annual APAC conference in washington dc uh which is the uh, american israel political action committee so uh, i got to spend the week uh getting super depressed about the ever-increasing right-wing shift uh in american israeli relationships and the total collapse in any hope for a peace process with the palestinians yay well you know just a slightly even more depressing thing uh, i found myself last night at 1 a.m midnight at nashville's for those of you who don't know nashville's nashville's is the white person bar on oahu uh it's a country western theme and it is essentially a howley safe zone it's a it is a howley safe zone it's a great it's a sanctuary city for (laughs) howleys yep uh where all the military people who feel that they are oppressed by the culture here on Oahu. There's actually a shuttle bus that goes directly from the Marine Corps base to Nashville. That's not true. No, I know it's not true. Oh, I, for, I thought it was. I mean, <laughs> it sounds so weird it could be true. Because yeah. it seems every Marine feels like they're there. It's Or it feels like every Marine is there. They should just open up like a recruiting office right next to Nashville's. And It'd be like, great. Yeah. So it's a bunch of white people that walk in in their cowboy hats, cowboy boots, Wrangler jeans, and Trump Pence t-shirts. Uh. And expect that, you know... They can have their little slice of conservative paradise down at the Aloha Tower Marketplace. World famous Aloha Tower Marketplace. Yeah. And uh, although I do like the old venue a little better. Sure. This one, because the old one was, you know, disgusting with its seven foot ceilings and smokiness and what feels like carpeted floors. I don't know. It's just so gross. Uh, But this one is a much better space. It's right on the water, which is really pleasant. It was not as busy though. And it was Friday night. Uh, I was there for an event that was very fun. Nashville's in general is not my favorite place to go uh, because I do Listeners, sort of stick if, out like a sore thumb. If you disagree, wait, so you stick because you're not, because you have hair or? Well, that's part of it. I also, well, I have, um, I have bordering on a fashy haircut. I'd fit right in with the Proud Boys. Uh, sh- uh, short on the sides, longer on top. No, I stick out because I was wearing like uh, Patagonia jeans, a flannel and slippers and everybody else is in their Wranglers and cowboy boots. And my better half was not also in cowboy boots or Daisy Dukes. Also, ladies, uh, ladies night, every Wednesday night, Thursday night's boys night, which means that they have a Daisy Dukes contest. That's so, very patriarchal. Uh, we cannot condone Women are supposed to get dressed up and, quote, men get to be the judge. So if you'd like to live in that society, going down to Nashville's Aloha Tower Marketplace... Have yourself a good old time. That sounds very problematic. And we do not endorse this behavior. I certainly don't. So we're going to do some news. News in nine. So we're going to mix it up this week. Usually we start with national, international news. Uh, we're going to flip the script. We're going to do local news this week. Because one, a ton of stuff happened. Tons of stuff. And two, uh, I don't really feel like talking about Donald Trump. I don't either. 
Uh, you know, he may go to North Korea. He may not. He may meet with Kim Jong-un. That's, it sounds like we're on the path to world peace. He may not. We may all die. He's playing his 3D interdimensional chess. We may not. The world will keep spinning. Yeah. So, with that said. We're going to slow it down a little bit. We're going to slow it down. We also, we've got some feedback. Said a uh, little less rapid fire. AK-47. Apparently, brr, 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 it's on, hard to follow when we cover 50 stories yeah. in... Nine minutes. 540 seconds. Look and at I, you in your math. Sorry? Look at you in your math. I Look, man, if you got mental math, give me any number minus 100. And I can t- or give me 100 minus any number. I can tell you what it is instantly. 62. 38. Hold on. Let me get my calculator. That's Make right. sure you're correct. I promise it's right. Now, I worked in the restaurant <laughs> for so long. I, you just like you learn what correct changes really quickly. Um, Notice, can I get uh, your... Pat myself on the back here for not saying 69, even though I have to take away that pat by pointing it out. I'll give you that pat back later. Okay. Thank you. We were asked if we could slow it down just a bit. Sure. And so we will. All right. We're not going to talk as fast. We won't cover quite as many stories. What that means, though, is we're going to give you even better stories. At analysis. Less stories. More. Fewer stories. Depth. Deep. More quality. As Ice Cube would say, deep, so deep, so deep, put your ass to sleep. That's exactly what he would say. That's exactly how I was going to describe it. All right. So, so start the clock. That said, you've got news of nine coming to you in three, two, one, go. So the state of Hawaii has announced a sweep of Pu'uonua Owayanae, the uh, homeless encampment out there. Uh, they're going to do it by May or June. Shout out Jessica Terrell and Civil Beat with the story. Civil Beat, as always. State officials announced their intention to relocate residents of Hawaii's most well-established homeless community at Tuesday's Waianae Coast Neighborhood Board meeting, just weeks after saying publicly that fears in the community over an impending sweep were unfounded. It's almost like the state lied. Many of the people living in Pu'uhonua, which means sanctuary in Hawaiian, have cycled in and out of homeless shelters. In Waianae, they have found a measure of stability that has allowed many to get back on their feet, says Auntie Twinkle Borge, the camp leader. The village is a safe and stable place to live, Borge said at a press conference last month aimed at staving off a sweep. We want to dialogue with people to make a decision about our future. We want to keep our ohana together as much as possible. We are open to exploring all options, including relocation. Now, so the state wants to build a marine science learning center on the site, and they need to apply for a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service grant to do so. And guess when that grant deadline is? June. Interesting. So that's that's the official reason the state is giving. Uh, however, supporters of the camp are, you know, many of them are speculating it's an election year. This is a political decision. How how could it be a political decision though? Who are they trying to woo by getting rid of the homeless camp? I don't know, I? but this is this is not a good look. I don't see personally. <clears throat> People want to be able to say they're doing something. They're taking some action. I, I don't. don't I don't see how it could be considered a proactive step in the right direction because, at the end of the day. Even on the most banal level, yeah. like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And Pu'uhonua is in a grove of trees and a part of Waianae that few people hang out at and is hardly visible from the road. So, you know, we, we have our view. Uh, we went out there. We visited. Please stay tuned later this month. You'll get an episode about that. We, we interviewed uh, Auntie Twinkle. Wonderful woman. One, amazing woman. Everybody needs to stand up for her. Everyone out there is really amazing. Yeah. And I interviewed some residents, talked to some folks. They need help. Yeah. And the the state, you know, this is really like, basically this is disingenuous at best, manipulative at worst. 
I, I think beyond it's heartless at worst. Heartless at it's worst. a reckless disregard for human life and stability at worst. Uh, and so two official, you know, and at the at the neighborhood board meeting, you know, the, this announcement wasn't even on the agenda. Two officials snuck into the Waianae neighborhood board meetings to make the announcement. Representative Andrea Tupola, who represents the community out there, she's running for governor on the Republican ticket. She, on her Facebook, had a really interesting video explaining how exactly everything went down. We don't have time to squeeze it into News and in 9, but please go check out her Facebook page, watch her video. We'll link it. We'll link it to you. It's, yeah, it's it's not right. Interestingly, Blue Hawaii is an homage, the blue portion, uh, to our left leanings. Uh, Andrea Tupola was noted by everyone at the camp as having been the most proactive yeah. elected official out there. Yeah. They said she comes out and cuts branches. She comes out and helps uh, get deals done yep. frequently after midnight out on the Waianae coast, which yep. is not known as the safest place on the island. Well, she's she's you know she's she's from there. She's that's her community. She and is. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, she there's a she's malamaing the heck out of her community. You know, and, and if she in the gov- this is going to be a huge issue in the governor's race uh, on the Democrat side. Colleen Hanabusa from Waianae, you know, to dra- to get to Pu'ohonu or Waianae, you drive by the old Hanabusa service station. If we have you know two Waianae candidates potentially going against each other, this is like this probably the determinative issue. This issue and how we need to support this community. This is absolutely going to become part of the debate, and yeah. we need to we need to have that conversation. Yeah, shout out to Andrea Tapola. I probably won't vote for you because I think you've been a little bit too closely aligned with Trump, but. Uh, as a human, I think you probably are a good person. The other big story uh, that broke yesterday in local news, Kaniella Kerfuffle. Kaniella Ng, Except- South Maui state representative, running to represent Honolulu in Congress in CD1, sparked some controversy on Twitter on Friday. Uh, here, shout outs to Mahalani Richardson, Hawaii News Now, with, with the tweets, quote, in order for sexual violence to end, men need to know they can no longer get away with it. But when we name an airport after an accused serial rapist, we show them that they can. Hashtag time is up, Dan Inouye, uh, wrote Rep Ng on his Twitter account. In another post, Ng wrote, quote, We have to talk about Inouye. He was my hero growing up, so it's hard, but he's our Weinstein, especially now that rape accusations are emerging from decades ago. Memorializing him has a chilling effect for victims to come out against their abusers. Ng told Hawaii News Now he felt compelled to speak out because of the hashtag MeToo movement in Thursday's celebration of International Women's Day. Quote, I think that's just fact, that he, Inouye, is an alleged rapist who is alleged of committing these very violent sexual acts against women, said Ng. Inouye was accused of rape by his hairdresser in 1992, allegations that the senator vehemently denied. The story surfaced again recently as a result of the hashtag MeToo movement. Ng denies that he's speaking out for political points or for media attention. Quote, I've been told not to say anything. Politically, it can really damage me. I have nothing to gain, everything to lose. If men aren't speaking up, especially men in power, then we are just part of the problem. The director of the Daniel K. Inouye Institute in Honolulu issued the following statement to Hawaii News Now in response to a series of Ng's tweets. Senator Daniel K. Inouye passed more than five years ago. It is incredibly mean-spirited to accuse him of a crime when he is not here to defend himself. It is unfortunate that Mr. Ng would attempt to smear the senator in his family's name to attract attention to his congressional campaign. This is not conduct becoming of a member of Congress. Ng, who has represented the Kihei and McKenna districts of Maui in the state house since 2012, acknowledges the iconic politician inspired him to get into government, and that he voted in favor of the resolution to rename Honolulu International Airport in favor of him. Quote, our Harvey Weinstein, 
Harvey Weinstein International Airport. Jeez. So one of uh, Rep Ng's opponents, city councilman Ernie Martin, fired back on Twitter and things got spicy. He said, it's truly unfortunate one of my opponents borrowed a tactic from at real Donald Trump and took to Twitter to accuse the late senator of a crime to score political points. Ng and his team didn't have the courage to confront the senator when he was alive. Uh, Kaniella, excuse me, Representative Ng fired back at Councilman Martin. Things went from there. We don't have time to, you know, do the play-by-play. But basically, so... Disclaimer, I did, you know, I worked for Senator Inouye, uh, and I'm not going to pretend that my mentor was a perfect man or that he didn't have problematic interactions with some women, especially by the measure of 2018 and the, the Me Too movement. But the thing I don't get is Representative Ng says he was motivated to speak out by International Women's Day. And instead of lashing out at a man who's been dead for five years, comparing him to Harvey, you know, Harvey frickin' Weinstein, uh, and, you know, Weinstein, that odious creep, is still alive to defend himself. Danny Noy isn't. Why not focus on the women? We need to listen to women. We need to listen to their stories. And was this the best way to start that conversation? You know, well, He focused the story of women on a man. Yeah. Should should a man have even been the one to start this conversation? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, and so what we want to do... We're that put- said... We certainly don't want to gloss over or excuse credible allegations of sexual misconduct. Right. Uh, though we may have personal connections to the man himself. Absolutely. So what we want to do is, rather than just being two dudes talking about sexual harassment, because we've seen that movie before, it does not end well, we want to hear from women. So we're putting out a call. Women listeners, friends of the show, politicians, lawyers, teachers, everybody. We want to hear from you. Please come on the show. Talk to us. Tell us what it's like. We'd love to have you on. Tell us what sort of struggles you've faced, your, that women in Hawaii are facing. Um, shout out to Mari Matsuda and Feminist Legal Theory class. I'm trying to do my best as a, you know. A disciple? As a, as a straight white man, you know, I'm going to run and I'm going to accidentally put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. You'll bump up against the barriers. So instead, of, instead of us just having this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. We need to hear from women. Yeah. So women, hit us up. Also, for what it's worth, I'm pretty sure Senator Inouye didn't want his name on the airport either. Additional also, that was purely done for political points. Yeah. Purely Uh, done. Yeah. Side note, the best comment I heard in response to uh, Representative Ng's statement came from friend of the show, Tim. Please don't use my last name. I should probably be anonymous. Uh, Tim said, quote, I think I'm less offended by the name and more offended that the state contract for improvements at H&L was something like $20 million and the airport still looks like absolute shit, but that might take more effort to fix than a grandstanding tweet. Couldn't have said it better myself. So like I said, don't want to be two dudes just opining about sexual harassment. Ladies, please reach out, get in touch. Also, these tweets uh, coincided with a special episode of Insights on PBS Hawaii hosted by Yonji Dines. Shout out Yonji, shout out PBS. Uh, are millennials ready to put an end to sexual harassment for good? So please go check it out, watch the video, tell us what you think, and please don't sexually harass anybody. Yeah, it's not hard. One one last story: the Hawaii House of Representatives passed its version of the medical aid and dying bill, also known as Death with Dignity, also known as physician-assisted suicide. It's going to the Senate for consideration. The Senate passed its own version last year. Uh, it's going to take up the House's bill and decide whether to accept it as is or to try to negotiate, hammer out some changes. Um, it's How about obvi- go ahead? It was obviously very sensitive, very high, prof- high very high profile. We're following it closely. Only four other states and the District of Columbia have enacted this kind of law. Um, this is something we'd like to get into with a future guest. Hopefully, somebody much more knowledgeable on the medical side of things than we are. Agreed. 
uh, in a story we're calling an idiot abroad, will they, won't they? When will Kim Jong-un and President Trump finally get together? The headline or the byline could just be, we're all going to die. Major questions are, is this whole North Korean peace process a trap? Probably. Uh, you might want to imagine if you know Trump was in charge during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oy. You just take Trump to one Pyongyang parade, and he's going to want to be Kim Jong-un's best friend. Yeah, you just got to compliment him, say like, oh, your hands are so big, your leadership is so impressive, your skin is such a lovely shade of He'd orange. He'd love the guy. Yeah. He'd, we'd, be, we'd sign a friggin' defense contract right there. with them. Yeah. Uh, contract or treaty? Both. Yes, and then uh, oh, bonus, you get you can have Guam. Just <laughs> we'll, keep it. we'll just give you Guam. Yeah. Is it brown people there? Yeah, you got it. It's yours. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, but okay, look. What are the chances this actually works though? Because you gotta wonder. Maybe they're feeling the pressure. Yeah, we've got a huge nuclear arsenal. Yeah. We're on high alert. We thought they were gonna nuke us a couple weeks ago. They didn't. Now we're like up. We're ready. We're not gonna be. You know shouted down fire and fury Aye. hellfire and brimstone yep. we're gonna give you power like the world has never seen before if you uh mess with us you're gonna be decimated maybe he's coming around uh well you know i, I will defer to the experts on this one jeffrey lewis who tweets under the handle at arms control wonk he's one of the leading experts i think he's with the uh, monterey school of international studies North Korea has been seeking a summit with an American president for more than 20 years. It has literally been a top foreign policy goal of Pyongyang since Kim Jong-il invited Bill Clinton. Now, to be the clear... The illest of the Kim Jong's. The illest. Better recognize. So, Lewis says, To be clear, we need to talk to North Korea. But Kim is not inviting Trump so that he can surrender North Korea's weapons. Kim is inviting Trump to demonstrate that his investment in nuclear and missile capabilities has forced the United States to treat him as an equal. It's almost as if... After 30 years of deliberate diplomatic and international pressure. And intransigence. uh, And uh, to an extent, uh, inexcusable detente during the early 2000s and late 90s, that it seems implausible that President Babyman can just waltz in and create a lasting it, peace process. He's the ultimate the ultimate deal. He's the deal maker. But the guy didn't even write art of the deal. He <laughs> also, was ghost written. I, I thought North Korea was in Jared's portfolio. Ooh. Along with everything else. Oh. Uh, whatever. Screw it. Kushner. All right. So, and that's the news. Wait, one more thing. One more thing. Roy Moore 2.0 alert. Oh. This is all you need to know. Yeah. Senator Tad Cochran from Mississippi has announced his retirement meaning both of the state's Senate seats will be up for election this year. Uh, There's a a group of never-Trump conservatives like Seth Mandel who are already ringing alarm bells about the Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel, who only lost the 2014 primary to Cochran, 51-49. This after Cochran was in office for 285 years. Approximately. McDaniel has already announced a primary challenge against Mississippi's other senator, Roger Wicker, but legally, nothing prevents him from dropping out and joining the open seat field. Uh, all you need to know about Chris McDaniel, he's basically Roy Moore yeah. uh, without, as of yet, credible diddling, diddling kids. pedophilia allegations. And that, that's all the news you need to know for this week. Whew. Good luck out there, people. I need a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. The bluest. Blue Hawaii. All right, ladies and gentlemen. On the heels of the the massive success of last week's new segment, Bicky Leaks, Bicky Leaks, we bring you 
Bicky Leaks again. Josh, what do you got? The rumor we're hearing. Rumors. That recently resigned Lieutenant Governor Shan Tsutsui will be getting back into politics soon. Against, against his former boss. No. Rumor has it he'll be running Colleen Hanabusa's campaign on Maui. Against David Ige. Well, and everybody else running for governor. Hell hath no fury like a lieutenant governor scorned. That's that's how the quote goes. If you've got an anonymous Vicky leak to share, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. All submissions will be held in the strictest confidence. Vicky leaks. And now for a special segment we're calling Englishman Oliver Randall reads the soccer scores and asks about guns in America. Whenever you're ready, Ollie. Here are the scores from the English Premier League. Manchester United 2, Liverpool 1. God damn it. Everton 2, Brighton and Hove Albion 0. God damn it again. Huddersfield Town 0, Swansea City 0. Newcastle United 3, Southampton 0. West Bromwich Albion 1, Leicester City 4. West Ham United 0, Burnley 3. Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace 1. God damn it, a third time. Those are the scores from the English Premier League. Why does America love guns? Thanks, Ollie. Not sure. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Seven forty Moova Street, Kalihi. Home brew in paradise. And we're back. Welcome Ladies and back. gentlemen, we are pleased to have with us a very interesting person, a person of much import, a person who is accomplished and uh, fun and a wonderful person to know. Or perhaps a wunderbar person to know. As she is also chairman. Uh, we, as part of our show of curiosities and um, interesting people, are pleased to have with us today Nadine Wolf close friend and a person who actually was fortunate or unfortunate depending on how you look at it to grow up in east berlin before the berlin wall came down nadine is a teacher here in honolulu teaching math and also an expert at having fun and being friends with people and we're just gosh darn lucky to have her on nadine welcome thanks for having me guys how's it I'm going excited i'm doing really well good what do you teach uh, I teach math at uh, Kapilani Community College. Oh, what level? KCC, shout out. Yeah, KCC. What's the mascot of KCC? The, the flying... They take too long to graduate? No. Okay. Hey, okay, hey. okay. Must be something Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah. Probably Hawaiian. <laughs> the, the flying farmer's markets. That's a good one for KCC. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good one. <laughs> the flying uh, crowded by Japanese tourist farmer's markets. <laughs> um, Whatever colonizer. Nadine... In America, obviously, we can't even comprehend what it was like to grow up in Soviet-controlled mm-hmm. territory. But but 
we have heard uh, that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton have turned the FBI into their own personal secret police. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Maybe. So... <laughs> could you shed some light just generally on how old you were uh, whenever the wall came down, what life was like in East Germany? And we'll talk, we'll get into, you know, how you came to the U.S. and what you do these days. Sounds good. Um yeah, so I was, I mean, I was pretty young for most of it, but I was 14 when the wall came down in 1989. And so I was pretty aware of what was happening at the time. And, um, you know, for me and my family, we, um, I would say my grandparents were pretty into the socialism aspect of everything. And they were devoted. When you say socialism, do you yeah. mean socialism like what they have in the UK or in France or... More like or Barack Obama, that that <laughs> Kenyan Muslim socialist. You know the the the. It was obviously less harsh than Barack Obama's brand of socialism, <laughs> but maybe you could shed some light. Were you allowed to say Merry Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it was the socialist. I mean, on the extreme part of the socialism, right? Like the ideology was communist. Um, I would say, you know, nowadays Germany is what we say what social socialist capitalism. Yeah in a way um aka crushing it <laughs> yeah. um best of both worlds but you know i mean that was one of the things that was really good about uh east germany was the socialist programs right so how so um daycare like any care for children really that was free and for everyone Healthcare was amazing Every, no unemployment right everyone had a job um just really great programs all around for that's really depressing that soviet russia was <laughs> able you... to provide free childcare. Yeah. did you yeah. know that uh, even recycling it was a really good what? recycling in, program mm -hmm, in, in East the Germany. 80s they were ahead of the game they were i mean they were so maybe this is a good thing to talk about <laughs> because uh we have most of our mainland listeners are in california washington and because i'm from there alabama mm -hmm. um people i think tend to think that prior to the wall coming down that East Berlin was like a uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, things were, sounds like better there than they were in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, you know, you it's all relative. Like for me, I, I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes as much, right? My family was well. We all had jobs. Um, it was very community-oriented. Um, we didn't have fancy things, you know. There was only, what, one car company that made like two types of cars. Like, Everyone had the Lada same things. Lada or... Hmm? Lada or uh, the um, Wattbook in Trabant, oh. which also affectionately known as the Trabi, uh, which was my first car. Trabants and are still around, right? <laughs> they are still around. Yeah. They did have to fix them up because they were uh, really bad for the environment. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't have fancy things by any means because there was not much, you know, it was all planned economy. So uh, there was only so many things to buy because they were the same all for years you know they'd be like oh well, we're gonna make this type of tv for the next five years i don't care if you buy it or not um but so there wasn't fancy things around but you know for me when you're young and you don't you know i mean i did get to watch east german t uh, west german tv which wasn't allowed but what uh, happens if they found out you were watching it <laughs> you know that's that's a great question i think the stasi did have I think they did spy on people and um, there's rumors about, you know, there's files and lists on people who were uh, watching West German TV. Like, so my grandfather was in the in the East German army. So he, it, when I was at my grandparents' house, I was not allowed to put on a channel. But if he went out, my grandmother would be like, what do you want to watch? Um, but my mom wasn't very strict. So if the Stasi we is listening, it. do not narc on Nadine's <laughs> grandmother. 
yeah, hopefully there's no such thing left. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents, you know, they think that uh, there's probably files on them. But they chose. So when after the wall came down and all the files were made public, you could actually go to uh, this government building and look up your file and see if the Stasi what? had... Uh, you know, had any information on you and who had narked you out and, and that kind of stuff. And my parents both chose not to go look because they didn't want to know. I wouldn't want to know. Yeah, because it could have been a friend of yours. could have been your closest yeah. friends yeah. were narking yeah. you out to get like But, but the thing benefit. you have to understand too, and this is probably, you know, this is just my experience. So I want to say to anyone listening, this is all just one person's mm-hmm. experience. Sure. My There's definitely lots of other experience out there. But um, so for example, my, my father... Um, he, when he was young, like around 16 or 17, he got caught stealing, you know, just a dumb little teenage theft kind of thing, nothing sure. big. And he, he got caught and the Stasi got him and they, um, told him you could either go to jail for over a year or something, or you can tell us about these, this group of people in his community who are living in his neighborhood and he's like you can just spy on them for us and tell us what they're up to like a plea deal yeah and he chose that because you know when Ooh, you're 16 yeah. you, you don't want to go to soviet prison yeah so you know so you have to kind of take it for with a grain of salt like what would you do in that situation i mean it's so easy to oh, judge. i can't judge him at all yeah, yeah i can't so, judge him at all right. I, I would be like yep yeah. i'll sing like a canary yeah yeah and listeners you know, do not trust me <laughs> so he you know he never said Oops. anything he said they're not up to anything yeah. you know he just didn't ever tell them anything. I would probably make stuff up. But uh, I'd be like, oh, they're just yeah. talking about which type of borscht is their favorite. Yeah. Everybody loves it. They love the borscht. Right. Yeah. So if you find out in your file that someone, you know, did tell things about yeah. you, you, you don't know for reasons, right? So, I mean, but like I said, both sides to a story. I, I tend to always take the little more defensive side of East Germany because sure. I did have a great childhood. And have, um, have you seen yeah. either of the films uh, Goodbye Lennon? Of course. Or yeah. uh, The Lives of Others? Yeah, so good. For our American audience. Two viewing recommendations. If you want to understand what life is like in East Germany, go check out these two great German films. One is Goodbye Lenin. Uh, essentially, quick plot synopsis. This guy is a teenager. The wall is coming down. His uh, his mother is super bought into the socialist program, just like it sounds like your parents kind of were too. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sees him out protesting one day. She has a heart attack, goes into a coma. Uh, while she's in a coma, the wall comes down. Right. But to save her from having another heart attack, he has to pretend that the wall is still up, everything is fine, we still live in East Germany. Uh, the other movie, it's amazing. The Lives of Others, is an inside look uh, at the Stasi and how they operated and yeah. the, exact, the rundown. Um, so please go check them out. And it sounds like you would both recommend that they're both... Absolutely. They meet, they're not, you know, sensationalized. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And and Goodbye Lennon is really cool because I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, those are my favorite cucumbers, like pickles. <laughs> like, you know, that story where you... The Aldi, buy, the Aldi yeah, pickles, where yeah. Where he tries to make them and... uh Wait, you say Aldi? Yeah. yeah. Is Aldi. Aldi a German chain? Uh, I don't know if it's originally German. I, I thought so. I think, I think so it too. It's like the little Wait, supermarket. Wait, was it an East German chain? I don't think so. Oh, no. no, this is this is when the West after the West is coming. Oh. He's got to go to Aldi. Remember, like, everything oh, was owned okay. by the government. Okay. Figure out how to make yeah. it look East like Germany. That's what I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. That was part of the deal. Was you know, the wall comes down, but you can have your Aldi. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. So clearly, so when you look at like our FBI or Honolulu Police Department, you don't think like those guys are basically the Stasi, which is what people say. Yeah. You know, oh, America's becoming a police state, and 
I mean, you know, what I always say is like, we just don't know. I mean, you know, people are quick to be like, oh, Germany and the Stasi and it was so bad. But but honestly, if you took, let's just imagine America got to be taken over by, let's say, Canada sure. and all Hell the yeah. files be, were made I public. I welcome that. Imagine CIA, FBI files all were made completely public. What would we find? I mean, you know, it's oh, easy yeah. to be like, and so, I'm not I'm not saying what the Stasi did was was at all excusable but i'm just saying you know i think every country has its dark secrets in their closets ask ask literally anybody from central or south america what the cia has done and they can give you a pretty good long laundry list yeah and uh, you know our dirty laundry just got hung up to dry for everyone to see and and, uh you know all the secrets came out but but that's one side and it was a really bad side i mean that i mean hoover was spying on people oh yeah left and right he sent sent a letter to jagger hoover not herbert hoover he sent a letter to Martin Luther King telling him he should kill himself. Yeah. So, wow. Like we've, yeah. That was our FBI. <laughs> our FBI has done yeah. some stuff. <laughs> right, uh, right. At least right. the Stasi didn't do that. I mean, you know, in in protecting the country, right? That's yeah. In the name National of that. Security. Uh, National security. Yeah. A, a similar note, I guess, uh, talking about East Germany and the sort of uh, the reunification mm-hmm. between East and West and what that process was like. Um, you know, following the news, North Korea, uh, South Korea, you know, some people think reunif- like some people are hoping reunification is the goal, denuclearization is the goal. When you look at that that circumstance, yeah. obviously situations are not totally sure. comparable. But what is what does that conflict remind you of, or does that does that trigger any memories in you, seeing seeing what's playing out right now? You know, um, you know, I would just say to be careful. It, it it seems like the easy and fast solution to want to reunite two countries. Um, but, and you know, obviously I'm happy the re- German reunification happened, but because I'm here, I wouldn't be here otherwise. But um, it took, you know, it should have taken much, much more time. If you're trying to reunite two countries that are that different, one, I mean, just the economies wise, and that was, that was the part that most people, you know, they're thinking, oh, you lucky East Germans, you're finally reunited and life is great, which it really wasn't. For for my family, the unification was not all uh, amazing. It was mm. very tough. And Why so, is that? Um, so my parents lost, like my mom lost her job, my uncle and aunt lost her job, my grandparents' uh, pension got taken away because they were in the East German army and they later got it back. Um, there was a big settlement and they were like, oh no, they should get their money because they were in the east german army so it was all pissed yeah Yeah. so there was a a lot of things like that and you know because you were reuniting two countries with different economies so what ended up happening was these companies come over and there was actually this agreement i think it was called the two to four agreement i can't quite remember but um where it was supposed to be that uh, individuals can can own some of the East German companies that were there. They were all government owned. But then someone just dropped that and these big companies, multi-millionaire companies would come in and and just buy off these East German companies Mm. and then let everyone go because East Germans were... You know, just not up to par. So you went from... Is that Was that the stereotype? They weren't up to par? Oh, yeah. You know, East Germans were shy and not confident. And Is that really what, how they were, though? Is that is that a personality trait you would agree? Or is a I would agree, but not the negative connotation with it. You know, we were, we were raised in a non-competitive state. Reserve, so you reserve. didn't have to fight your neighbor all the time. Like, I didn't have to be like, oh, I'm better you than you to, to get this them. job. I just had to spy yeah, on yeah. them. Um, so I didn't have... You know, you were my friend, not my enemy who was going to get a better car or take my job away from me like that those yeah. things just weren't there that's an okay so that's an interesting paradox and one that i've never considered in my entire life so yeah. but did it feel somewhat conflicted that you are at once 
not competing with people in terms of the ec economic engine of the country but you sort of are competing in terms of like government favor i mean you're the social like a yeah, social like, apparatus like is you're not the economic competing. apparatus it, it, like our our uh inhumane and cruel system is that we make <laughs> you justify your existence economically with your value with your right. uh, wage, wage value and wage right, value right. right but then so we all hate that because we're competing against each other for the same right. jobs and wages but you didn't have that but you had the i'm competing against you so that i don't get disappeared in the street right but it was an undercurrent right i mean that was not on the forefront like and you know i can't really speak to that because i was pretty young so yeah. i didn't feel that at all and um, yeah, you're not exactly public enemy number one when you're yeah, 14 years exactly. old. So I don't know that, you know, and, and when I talk to my parents, I think uh, like my mom, for example, I think for her, the biggest thing, I think for most people, it was just opportunities were mm. not there. So that was probably as an adult was not so much like trying to appease the government. It was more of like, oh, I can't go travel. Like, why is the government not letting me go places where I want to go? Did it feel like <clears throat> you couldn't trust people? Because it sounds... The, the, your, I mean, the implication in what you're saying is that right. it was a very relative, I mean, it seemed like a very honest, trusting society. Yeah. But then there also is this thing where you kind of have to wonder, like, is so-and-so spying on me? Like, right. can I watch my West German television with you in the room? Yeah. Right. And I think that that feeling was there for sure. And I think definitely for people who were more uh, inclined politically, more aware of what was going on, reading the news, I think there was a, a good percentage of east germans who were just living you know what i mean mm -hmm. who who weren't necessarily Ordinary, aware yeah. did of certain people not believe that spying was going on like oh, I, I'm, I'm sure like here you know we yeah. have people who are like no absolutely there was no yeah. trump russia collusion that I'm never sure. happened impossible yeah. what a great president and you, you, there Definitely. there were people who were like no they don't spy on us i i, I yeah i'm sure really mm -hmm. oh wow yeah that's crazy it seemed like it's just kind of an open secret but mm -hmm. i guess like when you control the information Right, it right. Really... Well, and it's also how much you choose to find out, right? Yeah. Uh, how much you listen to this. Plausible deniability. Well, and the news were so, I mean, everything's government owned, so yeah. you're not really, the, you, only if you listen to West German news and yeah. listen to West German TV would you really you, find out. Hey guys, we're spying on you, but yeah. uh, act cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you choose not to do that and choose to follow the rules, which, you know, there's always rule followers, you probably yeah. didn't have much of an idea of what was going on. Sure. Interesting. Now, after, so after the wall came down, yeah. how long, you lived in unified Germany for how long? Um, so the wall, so the wall came down in 89, we reunited officially in 1990, you know, October 1990. And then, um, I left as a, out to be an exchange student in the States, uh, in 1992. So and you really haven't gone back since then. I did. So I oh. lived in the States for a year and then went back for two years to finish high school. And then oh. since then you've been basically back in the States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I ask what was the day like when the wall came down on East Germany? Cause you hear a lot about West yeah. Germany and it was this big triumph. And <laughs> right, right. what was your, what was your feeling as a 14 year old girl? Well, it's actually, I'll admit, it's kind of a, a crazy story because I, um, so it happened on a Thursday night and I used to fall asleep with the radio on and I remember the on the radio, like half asleep, they're saying the wall, the people are crossing the border. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This must be a joke. Orson Welles' War of the yeah. Worlds. Wait, actually, so there was no advanced warning? They didn't say? No, because it, it literally happened. This guy, like, it was going to open because it was all this pressure had been leading up for months, but there was a press conference and it wasn't supposed to officially have been announced till the next day. And then there was supposed to be this lengthy like visa program. And, but the guy accidentally at the press conference, um, said, uh, Oh, 
no, it's it's happening right now. And then people rushed to the wall oh. and this border control guy was just like, I don't know what to do. And people were like, it's open. You're supposed to let us through. And he just started letting people through. And it just, it was just domino effect. Just and went so from when there. did so, they start hitting it with sledgehammers and knocking it down that, that night. night? So it was Thursday night. And nobody on the it. East German side shot them or? No, because they were, because they had heard that this official, this government official had said, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, but he relayed the wrong information and, and oh. the border control just didn't know what to do. And a lot of the border control were young guys, you know. You know it that wasn't... his boss is like, I know our government's basically over, but I would fire the crap out of you. <laughs> right. So yeah, you really screwed. A... That is the, that yeah. is the East Germany equivalent of the false alarm in Hawaii. Yeah, that's yeah. the missile guy. But, so it was a crazy state of confusion. And I remember just turning off my radio being like, this is ridiculous. So you, know, you I'd slept been, through it. I'd be, yeah, so I'd been, you know, for lack of a better word, brainwashed to believe that that'll never happen. Like my mom would always say like, it'll never happen in my lifetime that wall wow. coming down. And so I woke up the next day, went to school. Like, no one at my school talked about it. The teachers were told not to say anything. And so it was complete, like, it was like a normal day Just pretending at work. it's not happening? Yeah. It, I'm, and I was like, that was a joke. So I didn't say anything either. And the day just went by. And then I got home and turned on the TV. And I, you know, as a latchkey kid, so my mom would always come home late. Uh, and so she wasn't home. And I turned on the TV and, and I was like, what is happening? And, you know, because I was watching West German TV. Yeah. So they were showing it. And um, and my mom didn't come home. She usually came around at 7, 8 p.m. And, and she didn't come home. And I, I was terrified. And was I she was working like, till 7 or 8? Uh, normally, yeah, she would work till 7. And then... When did she go in? Uh, in the morning, like 8 in the morning. Yeah. They worked 12-hour days? She worked very long because we were... Uh, she was a single mom, so... But to did you make us. more money if you worked longer? She did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was But was it? But it was a government... Was, was yeah, it? all government regulated. So it was basically they would give you extra money, but they expected you to work more. Right. Okay. Right. Just, so Just like every other economic system? Well, it's not like you were working on a per hour basis. Right, they were no. It's you not a monthly like, stipend. Exactly. But in exchange for that, yeah. you were demand... It was... It wasn't that you were working. They were. They weren't giving you it because you worked. No. Yeah. But they were demanding expected. work because they gave yeah, it to you. Yeah. And so, uh, she had actually, with her work friends, gone to one of the checkpoints that had opened up early, and just gone over to West Berlin. They just grabbed their bags wow. and ran over. But you know, back then, no cell phones, so I had no idea. And she didn't come home till two a.m. And I was just terrified, watching on the news. I mean, to this day, I could be like, "Mom, what were you thinking? Not telling me." Um, and so that was Friday night. And then she was like, we're going over together on our Saturday morning. And we used to have Saturday school. And uh, she wrote awful. me. A, That's she, the worst part about <laughs> communism is Saturday school. She wrote me a note that said, out of historical reasons, Nadine cannot attend school today. And so she went over. And actually that Monday, I brought the note to my teacher who was, before the wall came down, a devoted socialist, like fully believed in the system. And he tore the note apart in front of my eyes and said that is not a valid excuse for missing Ooh. class. Yeah. It's a very German thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so that first day, um, you know, you'd think I was just in awe, but I was really scared, actually. It was uh, that first... They, did they, you think they were going to invade and take everybody and... Not even that. I just, you know, I grew up learning that all the bad people lived on the yeah. other side of the wall. Those decadent capitalist imperialist Yeah, pigs. I thought that was rapists, murderists, and all, all the bad people lived over <laughs> it. Literally, I, I don't know... I don't, I can't even like fathom now that I thought that, but I remember like taking the train to school and there was a spot where I could see over the wall, like the, and there was all these, 
uh, factories and the smoke coming up. And I remember, oh, it looks bad over there. Like I just, you <laughs> yeah. know. How close did you live to the wall? Uh, we didn't live very close at all. We live we live far in the northeast. Was the far away. wall? Was that a like poor area closer to the wall? I mean, we well, couldn't like... live very close to it. So on the West German side, you could walk up to it. So all the drawing, like the graffiti that you all see, the, is all West, West Berlin. Um, East Berlin, you couldn't get anywhere close to it. There was what the... would what was the closest buildings to the wall in East Berlin? Was it not residential? Was it just military? no? They were, they were residential buildings that were abandoned. So there was a big they strip, and I actually don't know them. how long. Oh no, no, no! You couldn't oh. be anywhere near the wall. Wow. Yeah, because there was the sort of the corridor of you know where they patrolled. Then there was the then there was the East German Wall. Then there was the Death Strip, and then there was the West German Wall. So actually, technically, by the end there were two walls. What did they teach you about the Berlin candy drop? Because we we really pat ourselves on really? the back in the U.S. for that. Because there's the there's the you know I don't actually know about that because. There is the Berlin blockade that happened, but that was before like the wall. Even the Berlin airlift, yeah. yeah. Like Berlin. After World War II. Were, yeah. were those two different things? I actually don't know about the candy drop. Yeah, I'm not yeah sure it was about just, the candy drop either. What's, what's, yeah, it was just it was during the it. blockade. <laughs> yeah, it was this uh, American just pilot. Candy on them. He he did it a couple of times, and before wow. you knew it, like the U.S. was apparently dropping candy all over wow. East Berlin during the blockade. I guess that was before the that wall. That was pretty early. Up. Yeah, that was I think a late uh, for I think it was 1949 or yeah. 48, I think. No one yeah. ever talked about that, I guess. No, not I mean, way before my time anyway, so yeah. and my parents time. So. I didn't know cuz here <laughs> it's like sort of semi-legendary. Really? So I didn't know it's if so there funny. it was like Yeah. I remember that time. I hate the Americans, but damn that candy was good. Ah, that's so funny. Yeah. No. Uh yeah, no, no. We I don't remember that. But that was probably the exciting thing for me was just seeing fancy candy yeah. and colorful I don't know, I was joked, but it's like, you know, I was a 14-year-old girl. So to me, it was like, oh, look at the pens for school and the, like, coloring. I don't know. There were colors. All I can remember is pastels. I feel like we had no pastels in East Germany. Everything was What color was everything? I don't know, like green and red and blue and... The colors of industriousness. Yes. The colors of labor. Pastels are not good for building socialism. That's true. (laughs) I don't know why I have that memory, but... I I wonder if... pink and and glitter. If they had just a little more more sparkle... They they, maybe would have lasted a little longer. They needed more glitter. Maybe, yeah. yeah, More glitter in their life. Who doesn't need more glitter? Um, But yeah, so... uh, that was exciting, but for me, it was just nerve-wracking to yeah. go the, over there, and I just was, there was so many people, and I, for the first time in my life, saw homeless people, first time in my life, saw huge neon advertisement signs, I hadn't either. What did that, I did it feel like you stepped into, like, the year 4000? Something like that. I mean, I'd watched American movies, mm-hmm. and so, and I was fascinated by them, which is probably why I live here now. <laughs> but, I watched um... a lot of North Korea documentaries <laughs> and I was fascinated by them. Yeah. But and... I would never live in North Korea. Right. Well, it looked pretty amazing. But yeah, I um and I just remember being like in awe. It was like, yeah, something out of a movie, a future and but here's the thing, I, that night when we took the train home, I remember distinctly coming back into East Berlin and it was gray and dark yeah. and quiet. There was no advertisements, no lights, like it was just and feeling safe and comfortable um which is interesting because i feel like you hear the story of everyone else being just so excited and but uh of course now everybody says oh i was totally excited like i did not i had yeah. no apprehension whatsoever yeah. but at the time yeah i'm sure 
But, you know, and I think no one knew what was going to happen. They gave everyone a hundred mark at the time. Be like, here, have fun. Yeah. And The government did? Uh, the e- West Germany, I believe, did. Yeah, That's everyone nice. got the, just a hundred mark as West they Germany walked in. West Germany is like, like your cool stepdad. What, yeah, that- they were like, they, I mean, they were, at first they were excited. You <laughs> know, like your cool dad. They're like, hey, I know it's yeah. been 14 years since I've seen 40 years since I've seen you, but yeah. right. you're around. Here's a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. How? What did a hundred mark? I mean, how far did that go? What is that like in today's dollars, U.S.? God, I actually don't know, but probably equivalent to 50 bucks or something, okay. oh, no. you know, not very much, yeah. but you could get you like a, a night on the town, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you could, you know, buy my mom bought me like some school things in pastel colors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even that's really when that's pastel. when you're that's when socialism really began to die is when you <laughs> bought pastel pens. <laughs> I don't when your school pens have glitter on them. Um, yeah, I, I, it was crazy. So coming to coming to america and something i'm always curious um for people from germany who who moved to america who live in america obviously you know you've seen since trump got elected yeah. charlottesville <laughs> and everything a, a lot of our past troubles and like mm-hmm. racial anxieties and tensions and the bad shit we've done in the past has come back to light and uh similar even in hawaii too like a lot of our stuff you know with the 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 gentleman on maui trying to speak hawaiian in the courtroom uh, what's going on with the telescopes uh, Hawaii, we've we've had a, we've been a little better like since the Hawaiian Renaissance and everything about like confronting these issues and acknowledging our past wrongs, the ho- apology resolution and things like that. Um, but there's a really interesting article I read in the Atlantic by Adam Storer, and essentially his thesis is the reason for so much of our fractious politics now. Um, all our debates, the the blue state red state divide, everything comes back to slavery and the Civil War, and how we abandoned Reconstruction and never really had a sort of like truth and reconciliation moment um there's probably some truth to that. which so speaking of not just east and west germany too and i know they handled it differently but also germany the unified germany in general after world war ii and mm-hmm. moving on from that and yeah the germans more than any other society any other culture in the world you look at you know japan they still have the issue with uh comfort women in korea during the war poland just has this new holocaust denial legislation mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about being German and sort of like the, your, what you see in America and how we haven't really wrestled with our past and compare that to Germany and sort of uh, the thing, the things, the, the, the insight, the self-reflection that Germany has done. There's a, there's a word, I don't know if this is an actual German word, but Vergangenheit bewaltigung? Is that? Vergangenheit bewertigung, maybe? We're going to pass the notes to her. Yeah. The Germans uh, call this... Vergangenheitsbewältigung, yeah. That's a word? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's an actual word. Okay. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to the German language. They have Do- words for did, everything. Did Deutsche, did gute Deutsche. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so can you, can, anyway. The the word itself means to to uh, evaluate your past. Yeah. It's essentially what it means. And, um, you know, I mean, that's a really big question. Not yeah. going to lie. Sorry. Uh, if that's you could okay. answer it in the next 30 <laughs> seconds, please. <laughs> I mean, all, you know, I can't really speak for America all I from my like limited experience I would say that Germany overall has done a much better job in terms of dealing with their past yeah. you know like the Agreed. the Holocaust I mean like when I was in in high school that is the number one history topic I mean we learn it we talk about how horrible it was how yeah. Germans need even to... in East Germany oh yeah yeah I mean, which was 8%... controlled by a regime that killed 
three times that many people. Right. I mean, mo- more West Germany, more yeah. after the wall came down, oh, I would okay. say. Uh, my East German notes, the few that I have found, are pretty hilarious. What uh, did they say? Oh, it was so, all the Nazis. The Nazis did it. They were bad people. Well, there's. Uh, I found one that was a table, and on one side it was uh, East German, like capitalism, and the other one it was um, socialism. And it only mentioned bad things yeah. in the capitalism column and only good things. So yeah. there's no pros and cons. Because the, the Soviets, because the Soviets, they said, no, the Soviets defeated Nazism, then <laughs> we were heirs to that. They're, they're not wrong. The Soviets did pretty yeah. much defeat Nazism. Yeah. But I mean, co- compare that, you know, according to NPR, only 8% of American high schoolers identified slavery as the cause of the Civil War. Yeah, I mean, that's so that's when I went to high school as an exchange student, it, it blew my mind. My history teacher was pretty amazing, but, but it blew my mind how little um, they discussed uh, some of the, the the tough things that America had gone through. Where did and you exchange to? <clears throat> Spokane, Washington. Oh, just very similar to East Berlin, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, oh, it felt like heaven to me when I got there. <laughs> <laughs> they got all the pastel pens you could imagine. Yeah. Oh my God, they had, you know, I don't know, there was so much land. It was, it was amazing. Anyway, but, so uh, you're anyways, a teacher. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think just in schooling alone, what we teach and what we taught in Germany and, and how a lot of people don't still, I feel like, don't really know what Americans have done in their history. Yeah. I mean, even with the, the, you know, Japan and the atom bomb and like how people still celebrate that. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, I just think that part of history education is, is really lacking. And I would say probably probably getting better, I, w- I would hope. I mean, I'm in the education system. And Depends I, on the state. Yeah. True. Um, but But that's... Yeah, I think America struggles with that. Um, I don't really feel like I can really speak more to it in terms of like judging it. It is what it is, right? Um, but I do know that Germany, and maybe that's why Germany recovers, because uh, we do really deal with our past. Um, very, but maybe, you know, we've been around for a lot longer, though. Also but, true. Also yeah. true. America's a teenager, and, and with all that, it those comes with, I think. Kid, those obnoxious millennials. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really? We like, are the millennials of the think world. Think about it. Yeah. Except that we're run by a bunch of old white men who are ruining everything for everybody. (laughs) Shout out to you, Donald Trump. Shout out to you, baby boomers. Keep it up. You're doing great. (laughs) Yeah, you totally didn't wreck the entire world and then blame it on us. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what comes out of the things Germany has been through, too. You know, if you imagine First World War, what happened, um, and then Second World War, I mean, it's pretty incredible, the, the... strength uh, as a german culture the, the things that it had to overcome 20th century was a very eventful century for you guys yes very very as eddie Izzard said they built up the greatest economies in the world and then celebrated with a world war <laughs> yeah yeah i mean technically the first one wasn't our fault <laughs> yeah that was the, the complex so system just, of alliances just, you know just gonna say it peer pressure it peer pre- <laughs> we all caved to peer pressure we've got a we've got a kaiser apologist here That's in the right. studio yeah. right now i don't know <laughs> and uh, Gavrilo Princip uh, totally deserved it. No. <laughs> well, I won't go that far. <laughs> but anyways, I'm sorry. I, can't, I feel like I'm not answering your question. No, no, no. no I, think you, I think you yeah. did a good job. I mean, it's it's presumptuous of us to ask for you to... <laughs> speak for the entire German people. And, and then also uh, the entire American people yeah. at the same time. And then reconcile... Uh, our pasts for yeah. us yeah. In, a, in a podcast. Hey, you know, Im- but immigrants, whatever parallels... Immigrants get the job done. Exactly. And it's also hard for me because I feel like I've surrounded myself with people and I've lived in states that I feel like are pretty forward in terms of um, my friends. Yeah, and and the friends I've had in the communities I've lived in, I feel like everyone's very educated. Where have you lived in the U.S.? 
Um, so I started out in Spokane, Washington as an exchange student. I spent one year there. And then I went to undergraduate uh, in Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. And then um, I lived in Portland for about eight years and then moved to Canada, actually, to go to University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Oh, wow. great school. Then, shout, shout out UBC yes. for shout doing a Love that. dual degree program with uh, the University of Hawaii's law school. Oh, I didn't Sadaf know Kashfi. that. Yeah. Shout out to you. Uh, Rodney Withall, David Kaponsky. Shout out to our Canadians. Shout out to you guys. Yeah. Hope you're listening. <laughs> they probably aren't. I think Sadaf does. Sadaf hopefully is. Maybe yeah. Kaponsky. Anyways. And then uh, I had a stint in Colorado. Uh, yeah. Canada versus America. Who's better? Gun to your head. I mean, where is she living right now? I'm gonna but Hawaii, say, is, Hawaii doesn't count. That's different. Hawaii does not count. Yeah. You say Canada's better? Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. I, to, I don't Look, know. It's you're among friends. Important. I, I think... mean, I live, you know, I love Hawaii. And I am, you know, I chose to move back here. So this, you know, I, I lived here and then I moved away and I came back because I. But you're not living here because of the government. My heart home. Yeah. No. The government's not what attracts people to Hawaii. No. no. I, I did love. Um, Shout out Kanye Ling. I did love living in Canada. I, I felt, I mean, and not all of Canada, right? We're talking Vancouver. Right. And I felt... We're different than Montreal. It was just so international. Yeah. And I felt super... And not that I haven't been accepted, but I, I feel like my internationalism... Well, that sounds weird. My Germanism, I don't know. Like, it's always really stood out in America. And when I came to Canada, I felt like I just won, just was a normal person. Like, people here are more interested in you as, like, a... Curiosity, like a curiosity, like a museum site. A little thing. bit sometimes, not yeah. anymore. Like, I mean, now I've been here like for maybe so having long, you on a podcast to talk about your life. I mean, it's great. Questions about your childhood. You know, actually, I love talking about it. So, and uh, but it was just I felt like there were some things I can't even pinpoint it. It sounds strange, but there were some things I feel like I did that people would be like, "Ah, oh, you're German. This is what you do. You Germans are so weird." That never happened in Canada. Like, mm. I think, at least, in, I shouldn't say Canada. Oh. I should say Vancouver. Because I really yeah. only, it, is, it just felt very international and very open. And <clears throat> their immigration program in Canada is just much more, I mean, it just, it's, it's hard okay to immigrate to, to the U.S. It's very Canada's difficult. government is basically way better than the U.S.'s government. I, Different, I don't, better. I don't know. How to I don't. Mean. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say okay. that Canada's <laughs> crushing it right now compared to us. <laughs> Any anybody who's honest yeah. with themselves would agree yeah. with that. Especially yeah. after the Winter Olympics. Tell me, we've we've heard uh, about your time in the U.S. We've yep. heard about your time in Germany. Where else have you gone in the world? Are you you've I, as I understand it, you're well traveled. Mm-hmm. I want to know where your favorite places you've gone in the world are. Oh, wow. So I do want to clear one thing up. Like people Please. always think that we didn't get to travel. So we traveled a lot in East Germany. We just could only go to the Eastern Bloc countries. So oh, we like would other, have other ski vacations countries. in Czechoslovakia. I How went was to that? Was the amazing, right fantastic. Really? I went to a summer camp awesome. in Russia. What? Oh, yeah. Um, in Moscow, actually, it was amazing. <laughs> and uh, uh, talk about really being communist. That was a crazy experience. Yeah, and then, what was that? Was it kind of like if you were <clears throat> if you thought you were patriotic in the U.S. and then you like then you went to like Alabama? Well, I mean, it was like yeah, it, or like you that's think you're, what it, you're, you're like, like you're like, I'm a moderate felt like Republican, yeah. and then you go to like that's what it felt like. We were like oh, Germans are so you know socialist and all about communism, and 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 then you go to Russia and you're like. Oh, wow, it's different because yeah, yeah. we they would literally wake us up. We lived in these dorm rooms, and there would be this Russian song playing at seven a.m. And then we would all have to get up to this giant courtyard, and we had to do morning gymnastics because. Oh my god. That part is of, the most Russian thing I've like, ever heard. Part of like communism a, yeah. was to be very healthy yeah. and to and gymnast, gymnastics. And we were out there. Just this guy would count like with his 
this big Russian man would go like, Adin, Tvald, and he would count and we would jumping jacks and you're thinking like 500 kids just doing the exercises. It sounds like you're narrating. Like I can picture it like the Soviet <laughs> Ministry of yes. Health. I'm seeing it as like a film. Wes Anderson movie. It was incredible. Like a bunch of pastel colors. And <laughs> no like, pastels. No pastels. A bunch of non-pastel, desaturated pastel colors. Great, shades of gray. Yeah, there you go. Oh my Great God. Terms. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh my God, I don't remember what we were talking about, but uh, that... So yeah, so we traveled a lot. We we would go summer vacation in Hungary, uh, which was beautiful. And How much Prague. vacation time did you get per year? I don't remember, but I know that we had summers off. Every um, summer? As kids, right? And Oh, I thought you meant your whole family. No, no, no. Like, That's awesome. We, we had plenty Socials of vacation. Yeah. We had plenty of vacation. My mom and I, we did a lot of vacationing. We took trains all over the place. So I, I traveled from a very young age and... Um, yeah, I wish I actually knew the question. I should ask my mom. But so, so yeah, I've traveled a lot in the Eastern Bloc countries. So we did get to travel, which is exciting. Um, but to go back to your question, I, I, you know, I've traveled in Southeast Asia and uh, I've uh, been to Europe all over the place, of course, uh, especially after the wall came down. We, we traveled a ton to get to all those Western countries. Um, my favorite place, though, is that what you're asking? My, yeah. Um, I mean, I love Thailand and Bali. I mean, East... Uh, Two good places. Yeah. The Southeast Asia was incredible, um, I would say. Probably probably at the top of my list, yeah. Josh has been to both of those places. I've been to Bali, never Thailand. Yeah, yeah. That sounds awesome. All right, so uh, what are you doing now? What's your What's your life look like these days? Mm, well, I like I said, I just recently moved back to the islands, and I couldn't be happier. I have the most amazing community that... Um, it was one of the main reasons I wanted to move back was the people here. Me too. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, Welcome company back. included. It, it's, yeah. it's amazing. I, f- I feel loved. I feel supported. Um, so I'm, I'm working, trying to make a life here, really, trying to figure out how to stay in Hawaii forever, really. <laughs> Me too. All right, one last question. Yeah. When you got to West Germany, were you like, oh, man, everybody's so friendly here? Uh, no, actually not. <laughs> and it feels weird to say, but um, when we're talking about how East Germans are kind of shy and quiet and, you know, in the same, kind of on the flip side, American, uh, sorry, Americans, uh, West Germans were, to me at the time, very cocky. And that was what we talked about. Ooh, very full, full of confidence. And they thought they were so great. And um, I remember meeting them and like hanging out with some and afterwards we'd, we'd like talk about it. We'd be like, they were so cocky and they're so full of themselves. Whereas East Germans, we were, you know, there was no competition. So we were taught to be uh, modest and, and humble. And, uh, you know, when, so my, my mom had to apply for new jobs after she lost her job, she had to write, learn how to write a resume because yeah. that was not really something we had to do. And she went to a workshop and they were like, you have to write down how, uh, great you are and the things you know and and that was so hard like all my mom's friends are like how do we do that how do we write how great we are that's yeah. that's that was just not part of our culture to talk about how great you are um to sell yourself and so you know i, I to me that's a it's a, actually kind of a nice trait where then we you know west germans made fun of us for being these shy like not confident people but on the flip side we thought west germans were just so yeah. cocky and for years i thought that would even when I was an exchange student, I would meet these West German exchange students because I was one of the first East German exchange students and I would meet these West German exchange students and they were just so full of themselves. And, you know, I was just like, why are you so cocky? Were they full of themselves relative to you or were they full of themselves relative to the world? 
I think relative to me, I mean, I just, I they just They were just didn't... thought they were better than you. They yeah, I mean, they, they did. Never, they didn't act, yeah, they were generally better than everybody. I would say West Germans generally thought they were better than East Germans. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we... It's like West German exceptionalism. Yeah, they just grew up with such confidence, you know? I mean, I feel like maybe that's... And nowadays, we're probably, I'm probably the same. I bet we all are and it doesn't feel weird to me. But we grow up in a society where we have to fight for ourselves. We have to stand up for ourselves, which is probably a good thing, right? But in... In East Germany, we, we didn't. We, you know, like everyone, like I said earlier, everyone was your friend and no one was really going to be your enemy necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> uh, to your face anyway. Yeah. And so there was no reason to go around being like, I'm really good at this and I am so awesome. And and yeah. Did people call each other comrade? They did. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. Instead of like did. friend or bro? Like, what's up, comrade? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I d definitely at, at certain levels in the uh, in certain companies, like uh, not companies, but like organizations. Uh, yeah, like in the army, I believe. Like I remember my grandfather. He called him other people friends, comrade. Yeah, comrade. I'm pretty sure. Well, comrade Nadine, uh, <laughs> would you be willing to stick around and do some shout outs with us? Absolutely. All right, Nadine Wolf, East German native, and all around interesting person. Uh, shout outs here in a minute. Wunderbar. Wunderbar. Wunderbar, wunderbar, wunderbar. <laughs> Blue Hawaii. How do Se you say that? Blau Hawaii. Blau Hawaii. Blau Hawaii. Sehr gut. Sehr gut. Blue Hawaii. All right, let's do some shout outs. Shout outs. Shout out to the Merry Monarch Festival. Hawaii's most prestigious hula competition, named for King David Kalakaua, kicks off Sunday, April 1st in Hilo. The Miss Aloha hula competition happening on Thursday night. The group hula Kahiko, which is the ancient style dances, happening on Friday night. And the group hula Awana, which is modern style dances and music, on Saturday night. You should watch it all on K5 The Home Team. And extra special shout out to our classmate, Pohain Uhiva Campbell, who is competing again. Girl, go get it. Our Hawaiian hula princess. Uh, Nadine, you lived on the big island. Did you ever go to Mary Monarch? I did. It was How wonderful. Was it? Amazing. I can only recommend it. It's beautiful. Fantastic. Shout out to NBA All-Stars DeMar DeRozan of the Toronto Raptors and Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers for speaking out about their personal struggles with mental health issues. DeRozan put out a series of open and wide-ranging tweets about his struggles with depression, and Kevin Love responded with an article in the Players' Tribune about his own battles with anxiety and panic attacks. We can all do more to dispel the stigma around mental health. Everybody needs a little help every now and then. Be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Shout out to uh, Twitter user at man in the hoodie, M-I-T-H, uh, wrote a poem to mark the uh, Gary Cohn retirement from the White House as economic advisor following uh, Donald Trump's steel tariff announcement. First, they came for the Muslims, and I did nothing. Then they came for the Mexicans, and I did nothing. Then they came for women, and I did nothing. Then they wanted tariffs, so I resigned. A short poem by Gary Cohn. Shout out to elephants a new study is showing uh that elephants brains react to humans the same way that humans brains react when they see puppies and kittens in other words uh science is telling us elephants think we're cute that means if you kill elephants you are a horrible person shout out to the entire trump family monsters monsters congrats to nick grube of civil beat on his new gig he's moving to dc to cover uh, whatever the hell is going on over there. Uh, shout out to Los Angeles Football Club, which made its Major League Soccer debut. There are now three teams in the greater Los Angeles region. Uh, the ownership includes 
Magic Johnson, Nomar, and Mia Ham Garcia Para, Tony Robbins. Wait, Nomar married Mia Ham? Yeah, man. That's old news. <laughs> I'm impressed. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know either. Uh, and Will Ferrell. Notable players include Carlos Vela, formerly of Arsenal and the Mexican national team, Benny Falhaber, who was a key member of the USA's 2010 World Cup squad in South Africa, and Joao Moutinho. Not the Monaco midfielder who won the 2016 Euros with Portugal, but an 18-year-old left-back who played one season of NCAA soccer with the University of Akron Zips. But, you know, close enough. Honorable uh, mention to Scottish midfielder Callum Malice, who came over from Seattle and has the most badass Celtic name ever. Shout out to Max Holloway and Conor McGregor beefing on Twitter in the aftermath of UFC 222. Will they scrap at UFC Hawaii? I think they should do it on the field, right at Waianae High School. Raise awareness about the homeless camp nearby, Pu'uhonua o Waianae, and also maybe raise money. That would be, that would be Max awesome. Max Holloway, if you're listening, y'all make it go viral. Max Holloway would lick Conor McGregor. If, well, I know he wouldn't, but if Max Holloway would fight on the field at Waianae High School, I guarantee we could raise enough money in tickets and media sales to more than cover the relocation of the Pu'uhonua o Waianae homeless camp. Shout out to the Hawaii High School class, Senior Classic All-Star Game. Uh, if you thought the NBA All-Star Game was good, this was even better. Public school beats private school as the OIA squeaks by the ILH 97 to 96. Kahuku's Tolu Smith, who will be playing for the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. That's an amazing mascot next year. Uh, it's even more amazing if you see it. It's basically a giant blob. A giant blob? It looks like just a, a mound. Called the Hilltopper? And it's smiling. Yeah, it's... It's That's, the weird. It looks like a. It should be called like the Western Kentucky artery clogs, because it seriously just looks like a, a blob of gelatin. This this young man from Kahuku will be starring for them next year. Shout out to him and shout out to Paul Honda uh, covering the game for Hawaii Prep World. Shout out and R.I.P. to Roger Bannister, who passed away last weekend at the age of 88. Bannister was the first man to run a four-minute mile, a record only eclipsed by me in high school. That is a lie. <laughs> And one last shout out, Arston Peace, to uh, Davide Astori, uh, Italy national defender and captain of Fiorentina Football Club, uh, passed away tragically, um, suddenly, uh, unexpectedly. Another high profile incident, uh, athletes with, you know, congestive heart failure, these sort of conditions, more awareness needs to be raised for sure. Yeah, gone too soon. Nadine, did you have anything you'd like to shout out? Anything at all. Shout out to Hawaii waterman uh, George Downing, who uh, he was a celebrated big wave pioneer, surfboard designer, and he uh, just died peacefully in his sleep early Monday morning. Shout out. Rest Shout in out. peace. R.I.P., my friend. Paddle out. Uh, also, as always, uh, prior to our restaurant recommendations, which I know you're anxiously awaiting, uh, shout out to Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew uh, in Paradise. They've got a pretty big uh, homebrew competition that they're running right now to see who can brew an original Sierra Nevada pale ale recipe go on down there check them out go buy some gear tell uh, bill and chris we sent you they'll catch you a sweet deal and uh you ready for that restaurant recommendation of the week let's hit it what, what you got this week i'm shouting out a hidden gem in honolulu a place that even the most uh ardent foodies have most of the time never heard of mitch's sushi Wapuna puna that's out by the airport it is a hole in the wall sushi restaurant as i understand the story uh mitch was a man who had a fishing company and was bad at selling his fish so he and his wife decided to open a poke shop 
she sadly passed away mm -hmm. and he had all this extra fish in this fishing company still and he uh, went to japan and flew back a very very accomplished sushi chef mm -hmm. so there's a warehouse down by the airport where you can go get a prefix menu of the best sushi that i have ever had including japan wow and it is a little pricey but to tell you of the quality when president obama stopped in for a surprise visit a few months ago he went to mitch's he also went to Odorico, notable restaurant shout out episode seven rufino magliba uh check it out wymanola washington josh what do you got i'm shouting out duke's bistro spelled d-u-c apostrophe s on mount Achaia street in chinatown uh it's basically french and vietnamese not too fancy but like pretty dang sophisticated cuisine uh great drinks reasonable everything everything is reasonable tasty as hell duke is super nice guy friendly uh great for date night great for after work great for anything go check it out and eat well also shouting out i'm giving you a bonus one this week locks of bagels in kalihi uh, one of the best things about Honolulu is we are a small city, but we, because of our international nature, being an East meets West point, we punch above our weight class in terms of the quality of our uh, food here. Lox of bagels is definitely no exception. Super good. Super good. Uh, delicious bagels, the best I've ever had outside New York. Oh, and going back to uh, our good buddy Ryan Oda's recommendation on episode six, I just want to quick, quick shout out to Leha Bakery. My wife picked up some green tea cream puffs. Amazing. Every day is cheat day. Have all the cream puffs you want. Uh, and then friend of the show, friend of the pod, Ashley Loa, notable episode four alum and future uh, guest and uh, emperor of the world in training. Uh, she recommended Ube, the bakery, I believe also in Kalihi, which is using... Uh, a Japanese flavor called ube and uh, everything they make that I've had is a little bit purple uh, the sweet rest potato the is it sweet potato yeah that's what ube is sweet potato oh okay well ube uh, it's amazing it's spelled u-b-a-e that's the restaurant or the bakery uh, the actual flavor is u-b-e uh, but it's very delicious very savory sweet just delightful flavor you go go to u-b-a-e ube eat your u-b-e Listen to UB40. And the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Yeah, Nadine. Restaurant shout out. Oh, God, there's so many. I don't even know that I could choose one. But uh, a favorite brunch place of mine, Coco Head Cafe. Coco Head Cafe. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Why do, what do you get there? I either get the OIU eggs or Mama's Udon. Oh, my God. Both yeah. of those sound so amazing. So good. So good. Leanne Wong and her uh, dumplings. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Any other favorite restaurants? Uh, we did we did like two or three a piece. Give me one more. Take your time. Yeah. This is a bonus. This is a, an extended episode and extended restaurant shout outs for all of our dedicated listeners. Uh, Sabrina's. Uh, Sabrina's. So good. I just ate there for the first time and it was just cozy. It just reminded me of being in Europe in a small little restaurant and the food was delicious and uh, Sabrina was amazing. Oh, Italian. Italiano. I've been wanting yeah. to go to Sabrina's it, it was for amazing. years because it's right next to one of my favorite restaurants, Cafe Taj Mahal. Yeah. and uh, Which I don't think we've shouted out. Maybe we have. No. Uh, delicious. Yeah, if you want to if you want to go on a date, uh, I would I highly Sabrina's. recommend What kind Sabrina's. of price range are we talking? Uh, you know, we did kind of a order for the whole table, so I never actually saw the prices, but I think uh, 
medium range, okay. I would say. What did you guys eat? What did you eat? I would highly recommend the, what was it? It was the lobster gnocchi, I think, or Ooh. crab gnocchi. It was very, very good. That's sounds D- delicious. Amazing. Everything we had was, was fantastic. Do you remember how much you got out of there for? 25 bucks a person, something like well, that? Well, this was our Kaimana committee oh, sure. dinner. So, sure. um, okay, so it was a I never saw the final tab, which is the best kind of dinner, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've given you ample restaurant recommendations. Go eat them. Tell us which ones you like the most. And Other than that. We've given you film recommendations too. Go watch uh, Goodbye Lennon and The Lives of Others. We've given you person recommendations. Try to meet Nadine Wolf if you ever have the chance. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. I just met her this morning and I can say I'm better off for it. Well, this is the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. I'm Josh Michaels. Our guest, Nadine Wolf. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Shane. Apu Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.